here this morning with Debbie Dillon. Uh, Debbie is a pelvic health specialist physiotherapist uh, working in the NHS and also in private practice. And uh, good morning, Debbie. Good morning, Eva. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. Um, we were chatting earlier um, last week about physios online in general and this idea that um, our sort of campaign little slogan that Christine came up with is like physiotherapy is more than you probably know. Um, and we were talking about some of the some of the work that you do, which I think most people still have no idea that physios are actually involved in this kind of work. So today we were going to talk about um, the role of physiotherapy and your work in helping people to regain sexual function after treatment for cancer, so gynecological cancer. So why don't you give us a, a bit of, you know, the background of where you work and what sort of work you do and yeah. Get us, get us going on that topic. Well, I work, I mean, I work predominantly in the NHS, but also in private and it's solely pelvic health. So we see, you know, the normal stuff that usually comes into pelvic health physios. So incontinence, prolapse, antenatal, postnatal problems. And then I happened to stumble across in our multidisciplinary team meeting, um, a consultant in long-term radio radiotherapy effects mm. who had loads of patients who kind of didn't fit into any exact kind of um, group, but who were having kind of a lot of sexual dysfunction. I should have said that as well. I treat sexual dysfunction as well. And so this cohort of patients, it's a really interesting group because they don't come forward that quickly mm -hmm. and there's no prehab for them because they kind of think I've got this diagnosis. I need all this therapy. Not hardly anyone has mentioned sex and intimacy. And then it kind of comes kind of three, five years later that they realize then there's a lot of other issues and they're better, but the kind of they finished in the system. And so with the long term effects consultants, she all of a sudden was picking up an awful lot of um, people in the NHS. Currently, I'm only commissioned to see females, even though there's a pilot um, about to begin, um, hopefully in July, that um, prostate men will be seen prehab, which would be amazing pre radiotherapy. But. So as a result of that, then all of a sudden we started getting kind of a new cohort of patients um, who were having kind of sexual dysfunction, bowel, bladder problems as a result of all the treatments they've had. And so it was they almost felt guilty coming and complaining about their sexual dysfunction. That's one thing we have noticed because they kind of in them, they kind of should be appreciating I'm alive. I got over this. I shouldn't be complaining that I can't continue on with my life. And I think it's in a lot of things, like they have a lot of fatigue issues, you know, kind of post-cancer patients. And so I think it's not just in the sexual function. There was other bits that were kind of involved in it as well. So I think it's a really up and coming area and, um, in general, sexual dysfunction and general oncology rehab. Wow, yeah. And, um, and just is the basics of this that when people have radiotherapy for a cancer treatment, that this damages um nerve tissue or what what yeah, is it, it why, damages why it damages the nerves and very often the kind of tissues almost the, the way i described the patients kind of almost congeals together so it comes quite rigid so the fascial component and everything has been changed and then have surgery in on top of that and then have some hormonal therapy on, on top of that so the poor women are thrown into an early menopause you know and so then you have all of those issues but what has been really interesting looking kind of over the last few years of this is nobody has spoke about any of the sexual side with them no you know I'm nobody not. has informed them that you know it might be a quick of oh yeah you know you might find you get a bit of menopause but that's it 
you know, um, and but nobody's explained what that means in everything, in all terms. So and and it's also it's a bit of a postcode lottery. Better be careful what I say, but it's a postcode lottery of what's what facilities are there for menopause clinics. So, you know, um, and there's particular some oncology menopause clinics have started to be set up across the country. Some places better than others. So we've just a new one in the Southwest set up in Bristol that's running well, but then it's making sure that those clinics also know about physio. And that's the big thing is, is making sure that the service providers know about us, which is another problem. Right, yeah, yeah. And, and just, yeah, just sort of trying to, uh, trying to highlight the fact that it is a, a problem at all, both to yeah. other clinicians and women who are going to be undergoing treatment. You said that many yeah. women don't actually know, like they're probably men as well, they don't actually know that this is going to have a straightforward effect on their sexual function. So you're talking about a young woman who is diagnosed with, say, cervical cancer, goes through all the treatment, and now it's four or five years later, and she is starting to realize that sort of her sexual function is not coming back. Is, is that the sort of typical patient that you'll yeah, see? Yeah, and, and they're in a relate most, you know, kind of the lot of the ones I've met are in a relationship. And so some have been lucky enough to have babies already. And so I think sometimes that was part of their thought process. Oh, I'm really lucky. I have a kid already. It's OK. I've had my hysterectomy. I have had my radiotherapy. So, you know, I can't complain. But actually, you know, a young lady in her 30s, yeah. you know, not being able to kind of, you know, have penetrative sex causes a huge issue in their relationship as time goes on because she's out of the system nobody's really checking in anymore except for if she's ended back in with consultant for long-term effects and then she has these whole new raft of problems and we're getting I mean it's brilliant we're getting much more survivorship but I think also I suppose if, if you come back to five years earlier and somebody has mentioned sex yes they mightn't be too keen because they're thinking oh my gosh I have kids I have cervical cancer I have to have a hysterectomy and so much else is going on and then they're getting through the therapy so some of it is that and some of it is are the professionals input that they're not really talking about it and not kind of they're kind of going oh any issues with sex and kind of next page next question and so they're not really given the chance to answer because I think the professionals aren't that um confident so I think that's one battle you know and so I'm doing a lot of teaching at the moment with a lot of palliative care teams and hospice teams even on talking about intimacy and sexual function um, and kind of how we think about it because you know one of my favorite questions is which I picked up from a different presentation I was at is you know have you ever tried to have sex in a hospital <laughs> not a lot of privacy around is there and so if you have somebody spending an awful lot of time and even at their you know whatever rate they are in their cancer care you know that can have a huge effect yeah of course you know so it's in the whole journey so whether it's palliative whether it's they've recovered it's a whole journey and I think it's not all just a lot of people take sex as being just penetration. We have to talk about the whole intimacy. Mm -hmm. And so it's and letting them go down other avenues of, you know, kind of other ways of being intimate and not being petrified and not just turning it all off because, you know, you've had cancer and that's it. Yeah. yeah. Just to be a part of life that you say, no, this is, you know, that, that's just exactly not my life anymore. It doesn't yeah. necessarily need to be that way. Like this is a really important part of life for. Yeah. You know, you know most, most people yeah. yeah yeah no and so it's a really important thing so there's you know there's plenty it's getting the conversation I think started to start with getting it in earlier in therapy and then making ourselves known and you know I can I'll be one of the first to say it it took me many many years 
um, I'm in my current post since 2007, 2008. Yeah. And so I used to go to that MGT every single month and said, you know, would bang the drum for physio, keep banging the drum for physio, keep going. <laughs> and it has taken me many, many years that now all the team know exactly where to go to for physio. We still have an issue with the men's side, which we're working on and putting and hopefully that will start to improve. But it's taken me this long on the female side. So, you know, at least now they know where to go, or at least they know to fire off an email or give us a buzz or give the team a buzz to find out, can you see somebody? You know, is this right for you? And I think, you know, no matter how long it takes to bang the drum and in, you know, public systems, it can be harder because obviously there's only certain pots of money. But the more you show them and the more you can show statistics, the more you can show kind of outcomes, the more you can show kind of, you know, um, how your availability and what you can do and then make sure and write the letters back to GPs, consultants, whoever, that's highlighting us again. No, because they'll see, oh yeah, heart, they can treat that. <laughs> Keep banging that drum, yeah. yeah you know, because eventually it does go in. And, and as I said, there's only a certain pot of money. We have to use it, you know, very cleverly. Physio is cheap compared to other treatments. Yeah. What? Okay, so tell us what exactly is the role of physiotherapy in helping people recover sexual function after cancer treatment? What exactly does so, physios do in this space? So I think initially it's, you know, obviously listening to their story and, you know, that's one of my favorite expressions. And I know Bill Taylor uses that an awful lot as well. And it is so true that, you know, listen to their story because they might come in saying they have sexual dysfunction problems, but they might want to get to penetration. They might want to go near that side of things. So we have to know what they want, not what we want, what the patient wants, not what is on our head about intimacy and sexual function and bladder and bowel. So it's been realistic. Um, I think 50% of the treating these patients, when you sometimes won't get them, you know, fully recovered, is listening and nobody has listened to them. So I definitely think that's a huge part and don't underestimate. Then, you know, we do our normal assessment, but be aware with some of these radio post-radiotherapy patients, you can find a very different picture. So it's actually, can they have penetration? You know, can, is that, is that actually going to be realistic for them? If not, teaching them about other parts of intimacy, you know, getting them more aware about other parts of their anatomy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the clitoris using outside um, stimulation and, mm -hmm. and being able to tell them about different gadgets and um, Sam Evans with Joe Devine is a great resource to be able to signpost them onto for, you know, different types of um, sex toys, but not kind of, you know, they're not talking about it in kind of a lurid way, but mm -hmm. making kind of light or better quality of life and fun for them and different aspects of intimacy. So that's one side. Sometimes it is just trying to get any bit of that pelvic floor, you know, kind of being able to work, you know, being able to be aware, not being scared of that part of the anatomy, because sometimes their anatomy, action, anatomy mightn't be that bad if they're petrified because they've been told, you know, oh, we've taken everything out. So they have this visualization of a big gaping hole. But that's not the way it is. Yeah. And so making sure they're aware, because sometimes, you know, you will get that. A lot of people will say, oh, it's, you know, it's just a big hole down there or I'm damaged. And yeah. so it's actually breaking through that barrier. And actually, they could be OK. It's just a lot of it was in their head about actually this is all changed. Yeah. And so getting them onto the right and, and giving them the kind of, you know, realistic um, goals, but also telling them what's right, what's not right, you know, what they're imagination is telling them and making sure they understand what actually is going on then yeah, be really really careful of our terminology 
you know that's like with any physio but especially with that side of things like I'm trying to I, I imagine that it must be it must be sort of that your your body is no longer as as it was before you know you're not the person that you were you know your life has changed and your your body's changed and maybe it's like it's um it's almost like it's it's foreign to you in a way you don't yeah. know it you don't understand it and you just kind of maybe you just need someone to help you become like reacquainted with your yeah, body in a way yeah no and and re-engaging with it and so if you've somebody who has a lot of function down there you know you can start to make you know making sure that everything is in working order teaching them all about the pelvic floor you know how to use it correctly bringing in core work and you know generally their condition you know if there's something like lymphedema as well making mm -hmm. sure they're under the right people i don't you know treat lymphedema but making sure that you you have the resources and you, you know where to signpost them and link up with the person because it's always better if the physio actually sends a letter or contacts and a letter to the person they're going to send them to rather than sending the patient that direction because sometimes then they don't do that you know so we're better to link up and work as a team and we should be doing that with everything yeah. but really working as a team and and finding those people but it is hard work, <laughs> you know, just even finding the links to go to. But once you start and it can take time, all of a sudden doors will open everywhere and eventually you'll get actually too busy, <laughs> you know, and that's then where you fight for more staff. So, you know, mm -hmm. and we should be treating these patients. They shouldn't just not be because we're so busy. Yeah. And, and also, you know, we shouldn't just not be because it's an area that people just don't kind of think about very much. You know, it's like I said no. earlier, this is a really important part of life and quality yeah. of life. And, you know, we, we think often about, you know, people's, I don't know, muscle strength or uh, cardiovascular health yeah. and, you know, all, all the other all the other sort of physical and, and maybe mental health uh, things yeah. that we need to be considering around a cancer diagnosis. And maybe it's a case that like sexual function is just a little bit neglected it or is. a little bit ignored or not spoken about. Yeah. Anymore. I mean, I think, I mean, especially in the UK, you know, pee, poo and sex aren't a talked about subject, yeah. you know, and so all of those things can be affected with any gynae or, you know, the men with um, any prostate or colorectal surgeries, you know, so it's a huge area that we need to be, you know, first of all, linking in with the teams and making sure they know about us, but equally, you know, linking and getting it out there on social media in a nice way, because not everybody <laughs> wants it rammed down either. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I think, I, I believe, on, I think pelvic health definitely, but I think oncology is another huge and up and coming area in physio, yeah. you know, and the NHS long-term plan, if you read the NHS long-term plan, great bedtime reading, um, is huge into, you know, the, the cancer, because so many cancer patients are surviving, but they're surviving with huge issues. Yeah. And so I think our next step is, yes, getting us out there and into it, but involved in prehab. And so, you know, I think that's the most exciting stage. And, and as I said, hopefully I'm going to be yeah, involved in this. prehab. So there's been funding for an 18 month pilot for seeing um, gentlemen pre-radiotherapy for their prostate cancer, but they would have had no surgery or anything. So you're getting these men who might have just had androgen therapy. We are in an amazing place. So you know, starting with, you know, getting pelvic health, informing them about it, informing them about pelvic floor, and also about general conditioning, yeah. you know, about how they can tackle this and keep as much, you know, kind of working as possible and being aware of pacing and all of that involved with it. But what's really nice is there's also nutritionists is going to be involved. Um, 
you know, somebody helping to combine it all. And then obviously the radiography and the radiotherapists, radiologists as well, you know, so which will be fantastic. Yeah. And I think this is really exciting. And I think we Gosh, need to be looking at the Debbie, prevention. I mean, this is a very, very exciting project for physiotherapists to be really central and really yeah. involved in, yeah. You know, and there's not many, you know, Jo Milios in um, in Perth has done a lot of work and her PhD on, you know, treatment, but there's actually not, there's research on prehab, but there's actually not that much research on pre-radiotherapy. And that's even more, you know, so I think we really need to get, you know, and I, you know, I think there's a research calling here, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think we really have to look at how, you know, we're looking at the whole thing. And I think, um, you know, despite all the, the horrible things about COVID and how it's affected everybody's life, I think the good side is it's going to make people relook at health because, you know, obesity, you know, all the prevention things we can do. And I think we're going to have to really look at that and it being equitable to everybody. I think that's another big question, yeah. you know. Um, access, so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we have different like Somerset is a very rural area, but we've a quite a vast expanse of space, you know, and a smaller population. But, you know, it's it's quite hard to reach some places. So I think, you know, we have to think how do we have a lot of community hospitals, mm -hmm. you know, so how you set up clinics that have little hubs rather than trying to put once a service in each hospital. So we just have to have a little think yeah. around how we do it yeah. um, and also selling selling the profession to our colleagues you know, the new grads getting in undergrad level. And I think we really need to be working with our colleagues. And if we can't get into the undergrad level, which is they have so much to get in already, really catching our new grad physios and having them chaperone, you know, kind of come and join us, yeah. you know, shadow us, having a look at what we do and getting to understand it and demystifying pelvic health. That's one of my biggest things I also feel passionate about because yeah. that's how we'll get more into it. Yeah, yeah, fantastic, yeah really you know, important such an important area yeah. of work and just uh, yeah very very exciting yeah. project that you have coming up as well and just well done for everything you're doing yeah yeah no no it is time. yeah exciting so yeah watch the space so hopefully all goes to plan um and yeah we should know in the next month so that will be amazing um and then yeah just you know get this going <laughs> great get it everywhere <laughs> yeah Listen, you're an absolute star for joining me at nine o'clock in the morning over there your time. And uh, was there anything else you were thinking to say or anything else you wanted to um, talk about before we wrap up? No, I just have to. I know the biggest thing is thank you, because I think it's so important what your work is doing as well. I honestly, as you know, I'm passionate about it because I do think we have to get it out there of all the different sides of physio. Thanks. you know and so thank you for everything you and christine are putting into it because i know it's taking a lot of time on your side so oh, thank you thanks and thanks for thanking christine as well she'll be, yeah. she'll be delighted yeah. i feel she doesn't get enough uh, <laughs> she doesn't get enough credit or glory it's mostly her so yeah. so yeah no, okay, thanks brilliant. Have an no problem at all we'll be talking again very soon and you too okay bye, bye.